Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Team, uh, in case you don't know me, my name is Matt. I'm on the pastoral team here at church. And, um, and today I get to share, continue our series on public service, living a life of faith in the workplace, living a life of faith. Um, uh, Pastor Steve's been preaching about this the last few weeks. Um, and what I love about this is that I guess I want to help you today to see where you are at in maybe a different perspective. And maybe you already see your life like this. Awesome. And if you don't, hopefully I'm going to share a slightly different perspective on where you are in life, where you work, and where you're situated in life. I hopefully just give you a different viewpoint. Living a life of faith, public service. What I love about this is that this, this service is an action point. It's movement. When you serve someone, you're actively doing something. So I love that it is an action word. Our faith is an action word. Um, in Matthew 28, it says this, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That our Lord Jesus, our King, our Saviour, he actually came to serve, not be served. He actually showed us how to do it, to actually serve others, not serve ourselves. And uh, it says later on there, just after that, it says that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. That he gave his life as a ransom. And uh, later on, Paul talks about that, Christ paid our ransom for us. He actually purchased us at a price, which is Him on the cross. And now that Jesus has purchased me, I'm actually owned by Him. He's actually my King. He's my Lord. He's my Saviour. And I'm going to say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? I'm now owned by you. And that's why in all the letters, Paul is saying, hey, I'm a bondservant to Christ. I'm a slave to Christ. I'm owned by Him. What do you want me to do? I'm owned by you. And we see through Scripture that Jesus tells us, and the, the, the Sadducees and Pharisees go, Jesus, what's the number one commandment? And he tells us. It's like when I say, God, what do you want me to do, Jesus? What do you want me to do? He says, love God, love people. Go out into the world and make disciples and serve one another. Now, some were commandments, some weren't, but he shows us, tells us to love God, love people, serve like I served, and make disciples. That's what you and I are here to do, that he came to serve and not be served. And uh, he showed that the most by, uh, one, laying down his life, but washing the disciples' feet. And talking about virus and stuff lately, I googled uh, how much germs are on your feet. There's a lot. And we're living in the now, let alone first century Jerusalem, where there's no, there's roads, but they're dirt roads. There's latrines everywhere. There's just dirt and dank. There's no hand sanitizer at the front of the temple. Okay, there's no hand sanitizer everywhere you look. It is a dirty place. But Jesus put on a towel, got on his knees and served his disciples. He actually served. He showed us how to do it. On a side note, what I love about the coronavirus is that people are actually rethinking their own hygiene. I'm washing my hands more than I ever have before. Awesome. Let's keep this going forever. No, it's actually true. Let's keep it going. You know, because flu season always hits. Let's actually keep this sanitary stuff going. It actually is good for everybody. That's one way we can serve one another. N.T. Wright says this. He's a New Testament scholar. He says, um, Jesus died in order to make us not rescued non-entities, but restored human beings with a vocation to play a vital part in God's purposes for this world. That Jesus died to rescue us, to empower us, okay, to be restored humans with a role to play in God's purposes for this world. That you and I have a role to play in this life. That Jesus died so that we could be redeemed, set free, forgiven, and empowered to live 
the life that he has for us, which is exciting and scary at the same time. Because it means that he's on the throne of my life, not me. And I find in my personal walk, I want to do this, but I think God's maybe asking me to do that. It's this constant battle between, is it his will or mine? Who else has the same? Am I on the throne of my own life or am I... Or is he on the throne of my life? Am I really in control of my finances and not giving any faith? Or is it actually I'm really worrying and I'm having faith in him? Am I really doing this stuff for this or not for this? It's this constant tension that I find I have with God. Am I, am I just a selfish person and don't want to do it because I don't want to do it? Right? But Jesus called us to serve, um, to love God, love people, to serve others and share our faith with them. Living a life of faith. Everywhere you and I go, we're living a life of faith. Church, work, music, sports teams, um, shopping centers. Wherever you go, wherever you and I go, we are disciples of Jesus and that we're living our life of faith. We play a vital role in God's purposes for this world, which is actually really exciting. God has called us to people, not to a job. Often people go, I don't know what I'm called to. I don't know what job I have to do. I'm like, do you know what? You're actually not called to a job. You're called to the people that that job allows you to get access to. You're actually called to people. You know, when I first became a Christian, I thought that Christians either work at church or go to Africa and start an orphanage. Who thought the same thing? I don't know where I got it from. You know, you pick up stuff that you're like, where did I get that from? I don't even know why, but I just believed it, right? Because one, we promote it. This guy's in Africa doing this is great. That's awesome. God's called them to do that. But this person over here is a graphic designer and they're sharing their faith in the workplace. That's awesome too. This person's a full-time minister. That's great. This person's out giving me Christianity to all his work friends. That's great too. We're all called to something slightly different. And I was like, even the word call, I shouldn't have used that. We're commanded to serve and love, not call. We, that's what we do. We love God. We love people. And um, so I became a Christian. I thought that's what you did. And I didn't want to do that because I wanted to go to the Olympics for judo. And if you don't know, um, me... I've been doing judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu about judo 30 years. It's been a large part of my life. I teach it. It's my job. I have an uh, online business where I teach it and that sort of stuff. And, and, um, and I really wanted to go to the Olympics for judo. But then I was like, oh, I think you have to go to Africa because that's what Christians do. And so then I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I want to do judo. So I had this bit of this tussle with God of what I want to do and what he wants me to do, right? And um, anyway, and then I was in, um, we were flying to South America to fight in a World Cup. I was competing there. And it was either in Venezuela or El Salvador, one of the two. But I met this American church, um, and they were there either going to a missions trip or coming back. And I was talking to this, uh, the pastor there, and he was like, I uh, started to do judo, and I went on to the Olympics for it. Uh, actually, it was after, because I had been in the Olympics, it was 2010. Anyway, so being in the Olympics, I said, I'm trying to go to the next one. And, uh, and, and he's like, I used to do wrestling. I said, I used to wrestle as well. So having this kind of chat on the plane, and I'm talking to all the other the people there. And then he says, oh, do you know what, Matt? You're actually called to judo. Like, you're called to, that's your ministry. And I'm like, that's not my ministry. Like, that's just what I do. Like, that's not ministry. This classic pastor brings God into everything, right? <laughs> this is right, right? Um, but this guy, like, Really? Oh, you know, judo's your ministry. But I look back 10 years later and I go, he's 100% right. Judo is my ministry. I have an international platform. My YouTube channels are the most popular ones in the world for judo. So it's like internationally acclaimed. Thank you. No, but it's a... <laughs> no. Um, it's not... It's very niche. It's very niche. So, um, but anyway, what I want to get at though is, so I have this kind of international platform and then I have a judo club, it's one of the biggest in Australia, that I get to meet people. And then, um, 
And, but what I realize is that my, my job is judo, my profession is judo, but judo is not my ministry. It's the people of judo is my ministry. The people of Brazilian jiu-jitsu that I do is my ministry. I'm not called to judo. I'm called to the people who do judo, the people I'm regularly in contact with. I feel like oh, that guy was 100% right. My ministry is not judo. It is the people that gives me access to them that do judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. The people you regularly come in contact with is your ministry. There is, that is your ministry. Mother Teresa wasn't called to India. She was called to the people of India. David Livingstone wasn't called to Africa to search it and, and be the, uh, the, the, the uh, white guy to go so far deep inland. No, no, he was called to the people of Africa. He was called to the people of Africa. Um, Jim Elliott wasn't called to, uh, the, to Ecuador. He was called to the people of Ecuador. You and I are called not to a job, but to the people that job allows us to get access to. You and I. Michael and Sarah Williams, we planted C3 Queanbeyan from this church to Queanbeyan. They're not called to Queanbeyan. They're called to the people of Queanbeyan. You and I are called to people, not to jobs. That pastor was right. I am called to judo. God has given me skills and gifts and new skills and gifts to do a job that gives you access to people to love God and to love people and to serve them because I can't get access to those people because I'm, a judo, I'm in the judo thing, right? And obviously all the other places I go. And maybe you're like me and you're thinking, I legit have no skills. Like, so that guy was like, I just, that's just what I do. I'm a judo, I just do judo, like that's it. You know, maybe you're just a this and just a that and just a this, but God has actually placed you there for a reason, for a purpose. And that guy's right. Does that guy bring God into everything? Yes. Why? He holds everything in his hand. Everything is made by him, through him, in him, for him. It is his. Everything is his. In his book, Sensing Jesus, um, Zach Erskine says this, I remember walking the fields late at night. Regularly, I'd cry out to God saying, Oh Lord, I'll go anywhere. Send me. Who's had that before? Yeah. Send me. I never anticipated that he may say in response, I'm sending you nowhere else but where you are. I'm saying, you know, it doesn't have to be glamorous. Just where you are is where you are. He says later on, he writes, the great work to be done is right in front of you with the persons and places that his providence has granted you. You know, I was saying to my wife this morning, you know, like, am I really meant to be here? I'm meant to be, is he really calling me to do something else over here? And so, no, no, just, just stay where you are. And when, the, when you're open, he'll, he'll knock on your heart and you'll slowly move along. Where you are is where you, he wants you. In Luke 8 and Mark 5, we see that Jesus um, is cruising along and there's a tomb dweller. And this guy is demon-possessed and he lives in the tombs. He's in the mountains. He cries out at nighttime. He, he cuts himself with stones. They chain him up. He can rip chains off him. He's crazy and everyone needs to go around there, but there's tomb dwellers everywhere. Jesus comes in and Jesus heals him. And, and then we get about verse 18 to 20 says this, as Jesus was getting, so Jesus has just healed this guy. And this guy says, Jesus, oh my gosh, you're my Lord and my Savior. Like I, I want to follow you. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. Begged to go with him. I don't know if you've ever seen begging, but my children every morning begging for breakfast. Like they're on their knees like, Dad, please. My five-year-old, put my shoes on. You can do it yourself. Your two-and-a-half-year-old sister can do it. You can do it yourself. But they're begging, please, please. Who's begged? Who's been on their knees, face down in front of God, begging, crying, tears, begging? I know I have for days and weeks, 
begging on the ground, begging over things, absolutely begging. We have this guy here, demon-possessed, crazy for years, gets healed. And here he is begging Jesus, please, please let me come with you. Let me go with you. I will travel anywhere. I will do anything. I just want to serve you. What's Jesus say? Go home. Don't follow me. Just go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. You might be here going like me. I don't want to go to Africa. No, no, just go home. Go to your workplace. Go to your friends. Love them. Love God and tell them how much God has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell people in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And the people were amazed. Go home. That's where God has called you, is right where you are. Go home. To the people, our families, our friends and outward. We go home. Go home. We also see the woman at the well in John 4, where Jesus is talking to her and then... Um, and he says, I've got living water that you know nothing about. She goes, I really want that living water. We're waiting for the Messiah. Jesus says, I am he. And she goes, oh my gosh. And then she runs back to town and she says, hey, everyone, come and see this guy who told me everything I ever knew. And the town believed. She went home. No theology. Just let me tell you my story. Let me tell you what this guy did for me. Let me tell you I was lost and now I'm found. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. So I want to tell you this morning that your skills and gifts uh, for a job, yes, but it's to access people that I couldn't access in those jobs. That God has called you for, to those people, to the, your family, your friends, your workplaces, to school drop-off. I'm not called to judo. I'm called to wherever I am at that moment. When I'm dropping Rocky at school and Bonnie at, well, she's at home with me, so Rocky at school, I'm a minister there. And when I go to church, I'm a minister there. When I go to judo, I'm a minister there. You and I are called to full-time ministry because wherever we are, our faith goes with us. Wherever we go, our faith goes with us. Spiritual, and we talk about, there's a spiritual gifts course that you can do to find out your spiritual gifts. And um, if, you've never, who, if you've never done one before and you're in a connect group, say to connect group, hey, can we do a spiritual gifts course? I know the Parnells are doing one at the moment and, um, and the people are absolutely loving it, learning about all the different spiritual gifts and what you can do and that sort of stuff. Um, so I really encourage you to either get in a connect group and do it. And if you haven't done one, then I can organise to get one done for you, okay? So after the service, you can come talk to me or you can email the office and I'll organise for you to do a spiritual gift course so you find out what, what God loves you and he's got gifts for you, but your gifts are for other people. They're not for yourself. If, if the singers are sat in their rooms at home uh, singing, I wouldn't be gifted with their lovely voices. Um, so it's nice that they come here and actually do it. Um, Pete Zero says this, Every, I believe every person, God has a purpose for you, a dream for your life, a seed inside you that needs to be nurtured, watered. And the community, which is church, helps bring that into fruition so that you can offer that gift to the world out of your story, out of your history. You know, God, I've done spiritual gifts courses a number of times and teaching comes up as one of the spiritual gifts, the main spiritual gift that I have. And I teach at church, like doing this. I teach at judo, doing that. My YouTube channel is about teaching moves. So teaching is a part of it. But it's actually for other people. It's not for me. It's for other people. And when I first started, um, the very first time I preached at church, um, I said to my judo coach, I said, hey, Steve, I'm um, preaching at church on the weekend. I'm freaking out. And he goes, oh, well, I mean, if your church is everything it says it is, positive, encouraging, a great environment, it sounds like it's the best place to start. Isn't that true? Yeah. It's the best place to start. And I was like, yeah, you're exactly right. 
So if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, I encourage you, I'll help you do a spiritual gift course. And then, um, and then you can find a place in church. It's the best place to start. It's encouraging. It's, it's, it's uh, positive. It's a great place to start. So if you've never, if you've never in church, get involved. And it's, it, we can start bringing that gift out of you. So your skills and gifts. The next one is your life experience will help you connect to people, to love God, to love people, to share, serve them, and to share your story. You know, we see in the New Testament, uh, Saul is a Pharisee of Pharisees, he calls himself. He's a bad guy. Well, he, he's an Old Testament do, uh, a scholar, he's a Pharisee, and he cruises around hunting down Christians, catching them and killing them. That's his job. That's what he does. He's a teacher. He's a great arguer. Okay, he's, he's a great teacher. He's a great orator. He can speak really well. And um, then he has a massive encounter with the risen Jesus and becomes a Christian. And he then goes from persecuting Christians to preaching Jesus is the risen Lord and I am his slave and I'll do whatever he says. And he has a never uh, say die attitude. And if you want to read about him, read just the book of Acts and then you can read his letters, but Acts kind of goes through his kind of stuff. And, um, but his life experience of this has happened to me. And then now this is, and he actually went from uh, being a, the, kind of the, the, the Pharisee to the, the Christian preacher. But he actually then got sent to the Gentiles where he actually preached to a different uh, people that the disciples couldn't preach to at that time. So he could actually, his experience in his life led him somewhere to connect with people that other people couldn't connect with. So what in your life have you been through or are you going through that you can come alongside someone else to serve them, to love God, to love them and to help them in their life and to maybe share your story? You know, my wife, um, she's at, we've done the spiritual gifts course and one of the biggest ones, gifts that she comes out is discernment. Like Sam will talk to me and people and she'll be like, oh, I feel like you're, you're feeling this. I'm like, I am feeling that. You just, she has this discerning gift on her. She can just discern people's hearts or she, people will like just open up to her in the middle of nowhere, like at the shops that it's open up. She's just got this really nice, calming, beautiful presence and all that sort of stuff. You know Sam. And, um, and if you don't, you should. She's great. And um, so she then was a nutritionist and helped people through their uh, eating habits and that sort of stuff and kind of helped them through that. And then she moved into social work so she could actually be helping people. And now she just picked up a job. Um, and through our life experience, you know, as the church knows, we've had some stillborns and, our, um, and, and that sort of stuff with children and that sort of stuff. So she's now working at a place where there's um, seriously sick kids. And so she can actually now work there, coming alongside and serving parents of seriously ill children. And it's all because of our, our life experience, unfortunately, has led us to a place that we don't really want to be in. That's what Sam says, we're part of a club that you don't want to be a part of, where a child dies, right? You don't want to be a part of that club ever. And unfortunately, we are. But we can actually help people and along the journey. We can't heal them. We can't fix them. But we can serve them where we're at. So that's her job now. So that's our life experience. We can then move into an area to love God, to love people, to serve and to share our faith with them. What experience has God given you to help serve others? What experience? What public service are you called to? What skills and gifts and experiences in your life can you use to love God, love people, serve people, and share your faith? We need to be regularly serving the people that God's providence has granted us. You know, in James 2, 18, it says this, I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You know, there's those people that are like, I'm a Christian, yeah, I'm a Christian, yep, I'm a Christian. I'm like, that's cool. But I want people to know I'm a Christian by how I treat them, not by me telling them. 
I want to show you my faith by my deeds. I want to show you my faith by my works. I love how Ken talked about those words of empty shells. I want my words to be full of life, not empty religion. I don't want to do things out of religion obligation. I want to do it because I value you. I see your intrinsic worth as a human, that Jesus died for you. as much. God loves me a lot. He loves you the same amount. And I'm trying to help see people through the same love that he loves for me. He loves you as well. I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Faith is an action word. It's a belief, yes, but it's an action word. Faith is action. Faith is doing things. Faith is serving people. Faith is loving God, loving people, serving them. Faith is action. I only have faith in a chair. I can look at a guy, faith in that chair is going to hold me up. Only when I sit on it do I really show my faith in that chair. Other than that, it's just faith is just a belief, but action. In his letter to Titus, and Titus was a, uh, a church leader uh, in first century, and um, Paul says this in Titus 3.14, Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. That whole chapter goes through how to love on people and serve people, but we need to learn to devote ourselves. Learn, because it doesn't come easy. I find I'm selfish. I don't want to do stuff. Like, sometimes I go, I mean, I'm just, am I just a selfish person? I just want to do things that I want to do. But trying to get out of myself and serve others. Provide for the needs of the people around you. To love on the people with words and with actions. Even the other day, when I was message prepping this, I was at a cafe and I was, I was around about this point. This elderly lady was walking past wearing his dress and this 10-year-old girl was just having a coffee with her dad. goes, excuse me, I really like your dress. And uh, this old lady was like, excuse me, I really like your dress. Oh, thank you. And she was so happy. I thought, that fits my message perfectly. Just, it's a words with life. Not empty shells, but words with life. We, you know, serving, we can do it financially, relationally, um, coming alongside. We can, we can serve their immediate needs or, or spiritual needs, emotional needs, relational needs. There's so many needs. And when Jesus says, go help the poor, he's not talking about, he's talking about people with no money, but the spiritual poor, the lame, the lepers. It's not just talking about poor people. It's people that are outcasts to society, that are outcasts into the cultural norm. He's called us to those people, to love them, to love God, to love them, to serve them and to share our faith. So I encourage you when you share your faith, um, the first thing I want to encourage you is just to just know some answers to curious questions that people have. Because people, if you've talked to them, they have questions about God, Jesus, faith, religion, church. They have questions. So I encourage you to read up on some answers to questions. It's not going to just answers to questions. So, um, and one really good book to do that is Timothy Keller's The Reason for God. He goes through... Um, all sorts of, there's 10 chapters and he goes through uh, heaps of different questions that people have. Like, you're only a Christian because your parents are Christian and you grew up in a Christian home, so therefore you're going to be a Christian. He goes through just questions like that. You can talk to people. What about evil? about morality? But it's done in a pretty, some of it's deep, some of it's, like, some of it's confusing because he's very intellectual. But if you read it a little bit slowly, you just have really good answers to curious questions. Another one on YouTube is a channel called The One Minute Apologist. And he has... It's one minute apologist, but he has kind of videos from one to five minutes now on curious questions that people have. And his tagline is um, reasonable answers to curious questions. So I encourage you to jump on that guy's YouTube channel and, um, and just watch some of the videos. And he just goes through really quickly. And every time I've talked to people and shared about the questions and answers, um, people go, gee, they're all, they're all well-sounding arguments. But they're arguments. That's the problem. The next one down is know your story. What's your story? How'd you become a Christian? What were you like before and after? What's your story? What's, God, what's he got brought you through? What's he done in your life? Just like that woman at the well, 
she knows probably Old Testament Torah, but she goes, hey, come and meet this guy who told me everything I ever knew. The demon-possessed guy is like, I don't know, all I know is I was lost and now I'm found. That's it. Know your story. And to do that, you've got to develop a relationship with someone over time. Another thing you can do to help share your story and to serve is to pray for your family and your friends. Ask for a word from God. Like this morning, I was in, uh, I was in worship going, God, what do you want me to say? Do you want me to say anything? He goes, I feel like I-, I want you to say this. And so I did. And so someone responded. So I'm just open to what, you know, and sometimes it's you, sometimes it's God, but it's about our relationship with him and f- f- hearing what's him and what's, what's us inside us. So pray for them. And maybe he'll go, hey, Ben's going through a rough time. Give him a call and tell him something. All right, or maybe Joel's doing it. Give him a call or whatever. But actually just pray for your family and your friends. I encourage you that where God has placed you is where you are. He's given you skills, gifts, and experiences to love on people. And if you want to learn more about this sort of stuff, there's a website called thetheologyofwork.org. Pastor Steve referenced it last year sometime, so I jumped on and it says this, Whatever you do, wherever your work takes you, God has uniquely equipped you to serve and to meet people at their need. Through your work, God has the power to redeem broken hearts and hopeless situations. God has called us to serve others through our skills, our gifts, and our life experiences. And what I'll have to do now is just show a quick little video. It goes for two minutes um, about this sort of topic. Thanks, Avi, guys. I'm wanting to love them for who they are, where they are, in that moment, whatever that looks like. That is the person that I've been entrusted with for that half hour to four hours or whatever. And I'm, I'm called to do something for that person in that time. I had a, a brand new client sit in my chair and the second time I cut his hair divulged a drinking problem he has. I didn't know this guy for more than 45 minutes. And I, I'm like, wow. But it's interesting who God put in my chair because there's a history of that. I have a history of that. So I didn't have to say anything. He just kind of, and I just listened. And over the course of our relationship, over the following years, it was so hard, how did you do this? He would ask questions. During a haircut, I mean, it's a haircut. When people get real, and that's another thing people tend to do in my chair, they tend to get real pretty quick, which I love, I love. Um, but it's, it enables me to, to further come alongside of them. And that might be what I'm supposed to be here for, and that's good enough. Yeah? When I very first moved to California, So many people that sit in my chair are going through so many things in life that you know, you wouldn't, it's said that we're told more than most bartenders. Uh, so part hairdresser, part therapist, part counselor. And I take that part pretty seriously. So I like it when people leave feeling better than when they came in. And if they like their hair on top of it, it's kind of a good thing. Yeah, cool little video, hey. Cool little video. Do you know what I like? A few things that stood out to me in this video when I watched it. The first one was time. She said this person came in, 45 minutes they shared something, and over the course of our relationship over several years, 
relationship takes time. Loving people takes time. Uh, it, it invest in those relationships, family, friends, workplaces. It takes time. That's the first one. It takes time. The second one she said, she said, I come alongside them. I come alongside them. You know, the Holy Spirit is the parakletos. It's the helper. Come alongside us. God comes alongside us. And she, I love that. I just come alongside them. I just, just journey with them. So I really love her. Who can you come alongside in your family, workplaces, social circles? Who can you come alongside with? And she said, they said, I, this, this happened. Now, firstly, we're not counsellors. Okay, you might be. I don't know if you are. But we're not, designed to, we're not f- trying to fix people. We're just hearing them out and pointing them to Jesus, pointing them to counselling if they need it, pointing them to social workers if they need it. Okay, because we you, you and I might not be equipped for the things they tell us, but we can pass them on. Okay, so, but we're listening. She said that over the course of her time, she can, she can share her story. Well, actually, let me tell you how I got through that. Share your story with people. And that takes vulnerability and weakness. Vulnerability and weakness. And when we do that, the actual bond gets closer. Um, she has a job that she's skilled to do. She is a hairdresser, but she doesn't see it that way. She sees it so much more. The skill allows her into people's lives and she actually takes a hold of it, doesn't she? Like it inspired me to go, man, do I take a hold of that? Who in your life, workplace, sports teams, can you come alongside, spend time with and over time, share your faith, share your story? In Ephesians 2, 10 to 11, it's kind of a start of 10, a bit of an 11, it says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember. And then 11 says, therefore, remember. Now, I just took this next bit from Charles Spurgeon's commentary of the New Testament. He's an 18th, uh, 18th century preacher and theologian. And, he, and then the next, the start of verse 11 says, therefore, remember. And he writes this, Charles Spurgeon says this, Oh, that is a good word for us. Remember. We are so apt to forget. Remember. Remember that God has has created you in Christ Jesus, that we are His handiwork and that He's prepared in advance for us to do good works. Oh, that we remember. Oh, that we remember. How often do I go to jerk? Uh, jerk. How often do I go to work? I'm like, I'm so tired. Like the kids have been up since 4.30 and I'm tired and I'm hungry and you know, I've got to do this. And I, oh, I remember that God's put me here for a reason. I'll remember that these people are in your path for a reason so I can share with them and love on them and help them in their life. So as the keys come up, how would your life be different if you remembered? Remember that every person, every place you go, every person that comes in your life is there for you to love on, to love God, to love people, to serve them, and to one day share your story. Who? Every person that comes in, we can come alongside them. We can spend time developing their relationship. We can spend some time getting to know them. We can serve them and love them. And through that, maybe share our story. Maybe you and I can play, continue to play that vital part of God's purposes for this world. So I encourage you as you, as you go about your day this afternoon and tomorrow, and even me when I go to work, remember, remember. I'm tired, yes, but look at these people coming through. Remember that we, you and I have a bigger role to play in the people's lives around us, to serve them, to love God and to love people. So I encourage you to do that. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, oh man, there's a lot of loving God going on here and and loving people. Um, That's because we do love God and we love people. Um, And John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, 
that Jesus died for us because He loves us. And if He loves me that much, He loves you that much. And that God gave you spiritual gifts that He created you for a purpose. And maybe you hear this morning, like, I literally didn't know that. Then I just want to pray with you after the service. Maybe you've been coming to church for a little while and you're like, I've been reading the Bible and, and, you know, I, and I want to put my faith in Jesus. How do I do that? My encouragement is just keep reading the Bible. Keep following Jesus. Keep praying. Keep talking to Him. But if you have any questions, I'd love to pray for you after the service as well. Um, so let's just pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much, Lord God, that you help us to remember. Help us to remember that we are part of a bigger picture. Lord God, I thank you that you've given us gifts to, to love people, to serve people, and to share our faith with them. Lord, I pray as we go about our weeks that we remember you. We remember your goodness. That even though we're sinners, that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for us because you love us that much. Lord, I pray um, they help us to continue to develop those skills and those gifts. Help us to see people like you see people. Help us to serve like Jesus served. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hey, just help. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.